Welcome to the Hey Chaplain podcast. My name is Jared Altick, and I'm a chaplain with the police department. This podcast exists so the cops can hear encouragement from other cops. Even if you never talk directly to a police chaplain, I'm hoping that you might listen to a chaplain talk to other cops about being a wiser, healthier person. On this podcast, you'll hear from dispatchers and federal agents, sheriffs, and U.S. Marshals, as well as the occasional patrol officer from Kansas City. From the LAPD to Scotland Yard, the guests on Hey Chaplain are giving you the wisdom gleaned from their experience so that you don't have to learn the hard way. Officers are asked to go investigate things that go bump in the night all the time. Spooky houses, hospitals, funeral homes, churches, and cemeteries are all places that have to be checked out. But at the department that I serve, there are multiple people who believe our headquarters building is haunted. It's an old building where you feel the history, with lots of long, dark hallways and questionable lighting. I'll be joking around about ghost stories, and the smiles will drop from the faces of professional men and women who suddenly get very serious and say, no, I've seen things in that building. I asked for a volunteer to give me an example, and multiple people nominated Sean McGee. He's a former SWAT sergeant turned captain in the investigative bureau, who now works overnights in one of the spookiest buildings in our city. Here's Sean McGee. Hello, Sean. How are you today? I'm good. How are you doing? Doing well. Doing all right. Uh, so I hear you grew up in a spooky house. Tell me about that. I did. Uh, it was in Stillwell. Um, we lived there about the time I was about four or five, and then we moved out, came back a few years later. It was so a rental house. house. Yes. Oh, really? Okay. Yes. I don't even know if it's still standing. So it supposedly it was the second oldest house still standing in Johnson County. And um, my dad put my bedroom on the second floor, typical old 1800s farmhouse. Mm -hmm. There was always something weird at that house. I literally did not sleep probably between my ages of seven and eight for a full year. <laughs> I would try to get downstairs. I'd sleep in the... One time I slept in the bathtub. I slept in the couches downstairs. Oh, something the house, upstairs. the house legitimately had you... Correct. Unsettled. I live because uh, yeah. my parents were divorced. I would live with my mom a week on, my dad a week off, and I remember just being able to catch up on sleep going to my mom's house because that house mm. had some stuff going on. And um, it was down there by the Little Blue River where there used to be Indian settlements, and we'd rototill our garden and find bones and spearheads yeah. and Indian arrowheads. This sounds a lot like the setup to the movie Poltergeist. It definitely yes, does. Yeah. <laughs> it definitely felt like that at seven or eight years old as well. Yeah, yeah, that can't help. <laughs> that <laughs> no, could, no. That... But I, I remember vividly. It was weird. The second floor. If you were laying in my bed and you looked to your left, you would see the staircase going down, and it was that quintessential creaky eighteen hundred staircase. You yeah, know, just yeah. every step you took, it sounded spooky. I remember looking over one night, and I just saw look like a female shadow figure coming out of an adjacent room on that second level. Kind of turned and looked at me, didn't have any eyes, and then just kind of wispily went oh, down wow. the stairs. You know, and and so are you having one of those kind of uh, waking dreams where you're laying in bed and you can't move, or is this like you're wide awake? Wide awake is like it was so weird. As soon as my dad would put me up there and try to put me to sleep. You know, he'd maybe even lay there with me a little bit, and I'd pretend to be asleep, and he'd sneak his way down the spooky <laughs> staircase that made all these noises. But 
it seemed like I'd never sleep. And, you know, for a long time, you thought maybe it was just a kid being scared. Oh, yeah. Sure. Um, sure. Well, you get told that. You get correct. told, hey, it's just your imagination. Correct. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, now that I get older and seen some other stuff, you know, you're wondering maybe there was something going on. Because, I mean, there was just always something, a yeah. weird, heavy feeling. You could cut the air with a knife. Yeah. You know, stuff would go moving around. How far was this house from the neighbors? So you would go into a neighborhood. The owners of the house lived, um, on, it was on 80 acres. And it, the, the old farmhouse was way down at the bottom of a, a valley okay. down by the river. So you're probably a quarter of a mile to half yeah. mile away from the next house. Yeah. See, I grew up out in the country. And, and people don't appreciate that there's some really spread out places. I yes. mean, where I grew up, we were, we were maybe a bit of a half mile from the nearest you know, other house. Yes. And so, so if something, <laughs> something's going to crawl out up from underneath the bed and get you. You had a long run to get yeah. the help. Yeah. And you know, you go into the basement and all the, the, uh, the beams holding up the house are just basically halved tree trunks. I mean, it's that old of a house and, but yeah, there was definitely something going on there. I don't know if it was whether you mix Indian burial or, you know, tribal areas with the water and then the old house, but right. there was definitely something. Did you watch there. horror movies as a kid or no? Like that? My dad was pretty good at keeping me away from that, except for one time at like five, he showed me the movie Predator, which scared me to death. <laughs> <laughs> now I watch it, it's not that bad, but then it was horrible. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, we've done pretty good with not having that. It was just, even as a little kid, you could feel something wasn't just right about right. that. Now, according to my dad, you know, I talked to him years later about it. He's, he thought I was just a kid, you know, just being scared. So maybe he sure. didn't feel it or maybe he's lying. But right. <laughs> um, the, I definitely feel like there was something going on there. So What led you to go into law enforcement? It's kind of weird. I went into college as a pre-med, you know, that was supposed to be my whole goal mm-hmm. was to be a doctor. Um, I think between sports and traveling all the time. Because you were also a college athlete. Correct. Yeah, yeah. I played football at K-State. Um, it was kind of hard to keep up, you know, to be honest. I'm not the brightest bulb in the room, but trying to get through <laughs> organic chemistry along with right. playing sports, it's not the easiest traveling all the time. Yeah. Um, and I remember it was about my junior year, something told me to, I think somebody told me to pick a job that you could go to. And every day you feel excited about, you know, something new, not just your typical desk job where it's the same right. thing. And I started thinking about law enforcement. I had a type A personality. So I just started applying. I remember there was still a year left of college and applying with everybody around the metro. And I almost got hired by Shawnee Police Department, but mm-hmm. I still had a semester left in school. And it was yeah. kind of like, hey, we need you now or you're going to miss it. And I said, yeah. well, I'm not going to not get my degree, you know, right. six months out. So right. I ended up at KCK. I always wanted to work in the, you know, the high octane area. So I bid our 113s district on midnights. My first time I could bid, which is between 10th and 18th and Quindaro. That's the busy downtown. It would area be busy. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Yes. And it was a blast. I mean, I would have worked on my days off. I mean, it was car chases, foot chases, had a good crew of buddies, yeah. And it was just an absolute blast. Would have worked on any t- If they would ask me on my day off to come and work for free, I'd have done it. It was just fun. But, yeah, when I, I finally got promoted to sergeant, I um, was in patrol briefly. I went right into the special operations unit, okay. which is our SWAT team here in KCK. Mm-hmm. Did that, oh, probably, what, three or four years. Got promoted to captain. Um, from captain, I did, again, another brief stint in patrol. Went to command over the Violent Crime Task Force slash Narcotics Unit. Mm-hmm. 
did that for about a little over a year, maybe a year and a half until the captain that was formerly in our special operations unit got promoted to major. So I slid in there because I had the prior training and was in there basically till about a year and a half ago when we had our second baby. And I couldn't roll the pager anymore like I used to <laughs> with childcare. So the chief in our department was nice enough to ask what would be beneficial for me. And I said night response in the detective bureau. Mm-hmm would you know help out so i could watch our babies during the day and right. work at night so sean you had multiple co-workers who nominated you to tell some ghost stories what do you got early in my career maybe mid-range of my career we get dispatched and it was actually well they were still daylight on afternoons to a burglar in progress at a house where an elderly lady said she heard somebody crawl in her house and was making noises and anybody who's been in policing knows those come around a lot, and especially with the elderly, they hear things. Yeah. So I hate to say it, but going into it, I was kind of like, you know, we're going to walk through, double check it, you know, tell her everything's okay and leave. Yeah. Assume it's dementia or Correct. or just some innocent sound that yes. she's mistaken about. Yes. Yeah. So me and um, our sergeant went to this house, and it was, again, right around 9th and Parallel. And we go in, and she's like, hey, I heard something in the back, and... So we do the whole, you know, flashlights out, guns drawn, clearing room by room by room. And we've cleared 99% of this house. And all of a sudden, behind us, there was a wide open door, slams shut. I mean, like somebody had kicked it shut so hard. It wasn't just a little tiny, you know, air conditioner made it shut. I mean, it sounded like somebody booted it. Uh, Me and uh, Sergeant Kearney obviously have a reaction and we go into that room where the noise came from, and we saw the door slam, and there's nobody in there. So we're trying to make light of it. We're a little spooked, but we're like, oh, it was probably this or that. How old are you at this point? Probably 26, 27. Okay, so fairly young, just a few years on. Correct. And then, right. you know, the sergeant with me was the old salty senior master, <laughs> senior master sergeant. Uh-huh. You know, been there He'd been for there forever. 5,000 right. years. Yeah. So he's even spooked, but, you know, I'm kind of leaning on my old school sergeant. You know, he seems okay, so we leave. Well, as we go outside, the old lady's son shows up. He's probably in his 40s or 50s. And we tell him, you know, hey, you know, we checked the house. Everything seems okay. You know, would you like to come in just to double check? And he said, adamantly, I will never set foot in that house again. I grew up in that house. He said, that house is haunted and scares the death out of me. I've tried to get her out of this house, but she's, like, attached to it. And he would not, I mean, a visible fear on his face would not even go into this house during broad daylight, you know, really? seven o'clock on a summer afternoon. Yeah. Would not go in that house. So it kind of gave a little bit of validity of what we had heard and seen with that door slamming. I mean, right. as hard as somebody could kick it, it was that hard. Right. And I've drive by that house sometimes, even now, and kind of just look out of the corner of my eye and just. <laughs> Hey, you know, give it respect. You know, you don't want to take anything home. So how you doing? Drive by it. Yeah. So <laughs> no, that's good. That's good. Yeah, it was a spooky, spooky feeling. I, I, I don't know how to describe and it. And you haven't been called back to that? I have not residence. personally. I've drove by that house. And again, it's kind of like where you just look at it. And you're like, hey, how are you? Good to see you. You know, you yeah. give you respect. Yeah. yeah. See you later. <laughs> I'll keep my distance. Yeah, don't follow my car home. <laughs> But yeah, it's still standing there. So. Do you have any idea what happened to that lady? I don't. I mean, at this time, I'm 40 now. She, I mean, unless she's, you know, on that yeah, she'd be north plus. of 100. Oh, yeah. correct. Yeah, yeah. So she's yeah. probably passed away, and I'm sure the son, the way he acted that day, he probably never went back or well, sold it. House like that, maybe she's still there. 
Oh, God. Maybe she is. I ain't going to find out. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Now, tell me about our headquarters. So, headquarters, for anybody that hasn't you know, ever seen it before, it's right at the corner of 7th and Minnesota and State Avenue between those two blocks. Kind of takes up like half a city block. Correct. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like a three-story brick structure where the top of it's kind of got like almost like a romantic facade mm-hmm. to it. Yeah. Used to be before we had it as the police department, the Board of Public Utilities building. Mm-hmm. And from what I've gathered research wise before that, it was a Montgomery Ward building in the 30s. Yeah. yeah. And we've even got pictures on our old archive drive at the police department of Eisenhower giving speeches right in front of it. Yeah. Because yeah. um, there was a very famous hotel across the street that's now a, a high rise, but mm-hmm. I guess that's where um, a bunch of famous people stay when they visit Kansas City. Yeah, right in the main drag of the oldest part of town. That building has to be pushing 100 years old. Has to be. Yeah, I, I don't know the history behind it myself, but but it's obviously, when you come into it, it's obviously an old building. It's been repurposed and remodeled multiple times. Multiple times. There's all kinds of weird, random hallways and whatever because of different occupants have needed it for different purposes. And yes. so, so certainly for me, like coming in as an outsider, as a chaplain, I've still not had a full tour of that building. I have I've wandered around it a few times. I I have been invited to go here or there, but but every now and again I find oh here's another set of bathrooms or here <laughs> here's another hallway. <laughs> it's, it's it's kind of one of those buildings. I haven't even seen the whole thing. Supposedly I've never seen the third story property room. Yeah, you know yeah. I've always wondered where all this property's kept, but I've never seen it. Uh, my wife was a cadet, so she's probably seen a lot more of it, but I have not. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and it's 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 big. It's got high ceilings. So we say three stories. It's probably a lot a five to six a, story. Yeah, type. it's a lot taller than a three story building. Uh, like you said, the way it's been cut up and moved around. I mean, you could tell parts of it. Like the women's restrooms, they have like a waiting room, like a powder room. You know, right, they probably right. had that in the old. Well, Montgomery. I don't go in the women's room. I so didn't. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get to the story later. Of why I know this because that was the first thing yeah. I. But there's odd. a basement garage. Yep. There's and, and like I said, it just keeps and the floors don't all line up perfectly, Mm-mm. and so you just keep going up another half flight of stairs to another set of rooms, and it's just a very large, empty feeling. Very building. empty, and I wouldn't not want to go into it without the lights on. It's kind of got a weird vibe. Yeah, I, that's the only way I could describe it. Well, I have gone in late at night because I'll be on my way to roll calls, and there used to be a patrol roll call there. Correct. But now they've moved to a different building, so now if I'm just early, I'll stop in and check, and sometimes you're the only one in your office, maybe a couple other detectives, mm-hmm. and the rest of the building is pretty dark and pretty spooky. It's pretty empty. Yeah, I mean... I kind of had a little bit of a blanket, you know, I could wrap around myself knowing that our Central Patrol Division was still down there. So there was always somebody there, usually 24 yeah, yeah. doing reports, a sergeant. Yeah. Now that they've moved on to a different building, you know, in some nights where maybe my detectives are out or all off, I'm the only one in the big spooky building. Yes. And it's, it's and they always keep the lights just half dim, you know, or it's even spookier. Yeah. Oh, I'd rather yeah. just be black, yeah. you know, yeah. jet black than just like those little... Like the blinky lights down the hallway because they're all bulbs and they kind of fizzle. Yeah. It's just got a creepy vibe to it. I was never housed at headquarters um, during this time period. I was housed in the special operations unit building, but we always had to go drop our overtime sheets and sign-in sheets to the operations um, colonel's office to have the next day. So you're like the SWAT team sergeant Correct. coming from another location, another Completely. part of town, mm-hmm. but you're dropping off paperwork. Just dropping off paperwork late at night. Well, my wife was a detective at the time. 
Um, literally where I'm at now, night response, the commander over, she was one of the detectives. And we knew that night she was the only detective working. Mm-hmm. Um, so me going there, I knew pretty much she was going to be the only person in the building. So the detectives were sure offices is on the mezzanine level, which is between the first and second floor. I had to go to the second floor, which is where the operations office is. So again, I parked downstairs in the basement. We talked about parking. I get in the elevator. I hit the two, get off, and it's just that quintessential like halogen bulb flickering. I mean, they got half the lights on. I mean, if you just, wanted to make a movie in there it is. and make it look creepy, you would not have to bring your own lighting. No, it, it, it's already no, lit. They, they to don't be have creepy. LEDs and yeah. no LED bulbs. It's just that you know the bad tube lights that start flickering. They just make noise and they're spooky. Yeah. So I get off, and it, what's embarrassing to admit is I'm a now at this time like a 32 year old SWAT sergeant, supposed to be this tip of the spear. Yeah. And I'm not gonna lie, that. I get off this elevator and I just want to like you know draw my Glock out of my holster, <laughs> even though that wouldn't work on a spirit. But <laughs> so I get off and I turn left to go to another hallway like i said this thing's a maze and there's a hallway this main hallway that is like probably 40 yards long that goes by the chief's office um where i'm about to turn into you basically have a linear hallway that goes all the way down and on the left side is the chief's office it comes to a t intersection and if you go left there's a men's restroom if you go right there's a women's restroom and that operations office where i got to drop my stuff but that office is locked to only like the chief, a colonel, like mm-hmm. there's no no normal patrolman or sergeant can get in there. But that being said, when you turn down that hallway, when they hit that T intersection, you can't see the entry doors to the men or women's restroom. It's just you know they're there yeah. from seeing the layout. Yeah. And so, you are deep into the labyrinth at this point. Yeah, it, you're you're off the I elevator. I know where you're talking about. You, you are not just like five feet off the elevator. No. You, you are down a hallway, down another hallway, down a third hallway. Mm-hmm. You are way back. Way yeah. back there. So as I come to turn left to look down this long linear hallway, and again, you got to put the lighting perspective. It's <laughs> the every second ceiling light is on, and it's a flickery yeah. bulb. Yeah. I see... As soon as I look down the hallway, I see what looks like maybe a five-foot-tall, um, all long black hair, wearing all black clothing. Literally maybe took three or four steps and then turned right towards the women's restroom or the operations room. And it looked like a small female figure almost. Uh, I would have bet my pension it was my wife. So I go, okay, she's, she's going to the bathroom. I'm going to go scare her. You know, she's the only one I know that's in this building, and yeah. that's where she would go to go to the restroom, and yeah. she walked towards that way. And I knew she couldn't get in the operations office because nobody's got it's access. Dead end. Dead right. end, other right. than that restroom. Right. So I walked down, and I kind of hide by the door. And I was, my whole thing was I'm going to scare her when she comes out. And literally at that point, to kind of put in perspective, I would have, again, bet my pension that was my wife. It looked like a small female, dark hair, yeah. back to me walking and usually wearing a dark polo shirt, maybe some dark, you know, yeah, pants. Yeah. yeah. So I stood there for probably five minutes. Nothing, nothing. You don't even hear any movement in the bathroom. So finally, I text her. I was like, "You gonna like what's going on in there? Are you coming out?" And she's like, "What are you talking about?" And I said, "I know you're in the bathroom." Like, ha ha. And she goes, "I'm not in the bathroom. I'm in the mezzanine at my desk." So now, like, the hair in my neck stands up. <laughs> so. I have to check at this point. I right. mean, I'm scared, but I have to check. And 
I'm alone in buildings, in church buildings, by myself late at night. If I'm caring, that makes me feel a little bit better. A little, even though we know, like, from what our knowledge is of ghosts and yeah. spirits, <laughs> but it still, won't work. But still, I'm gonna give I it, feel better. I'm going to give them hell. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to give them every of the <laughs> 17 friends yes. in my, my magazine. They might not like the 1,700 feet per second or whatever <laughs> I got. So again, I unholster. Again, I don't know why we do it, but it's like a pacifier. It makes me feel better. Yeah. I walk in the door, and the first surprise I see is that female restrooms in this building have like a little lounge area. Yeah. yeah. This was never known to me in no my, men's room my, anywhere my, my decade of policing before. <laughs> there's a couch. There's a chair. It's like, I don't know. Like, I almost was like, this is kind of nice. I was like, <laughs> all the fear of the spirit went away. It was just... This is kind of cool. They have a waiting area, and I kind of wipe that off. First time you've ever been in a women's room. Correct. Yeah. Maybe, maybe they're all like that. Maybe they all. Maybe, yeah. maybe that's why they're so happy to go there. I don't know. <laughs> so after that first initial shock of how awesome this is that they have their own little lounge, I'm back to fear now because of the spirit. So I walk farther in, and I open the door, and I don't want to get you know like in trouble, like some right. you know creepy right. guy. So I was like, hey, Sean, is there anybody in here? No response. So I walk in there, and I mean, I checked every stall. There's nothing. Zero zilch. So, I mean, I would have heard the operations door, the key card access, unlocking it, at least at closing. Nobody at that time would have had access to get in there. The only door was that, and it was... And there's no janitor down the hallway or something. Mm Mm-mm. And again, yeah. even if there was, I would have heard that key card because it makes an audible like beeping yeah. sound. Yeah. And at that night, you're going to hear it. So honestly, I wish somebody would have either clocked my 40 time from that bathroom <laughs> to my wife's <laughs> office because I'm pretty sure Usain Bolt has nothing. <laughs> what I, position did you play at uh, K-State? Offensive line, but I would have walked Fastest on water. offensive oh, lineman ever. <laughs> you've never seen speed like this. I mean, I felt... Now, if somebody would have videotaped it, it'd probably been horrendously slow. But I felt like I was just walking on water. I was sprinting so fast. I ran down the stairs of the mezzanine, you know, breathing hard. Yeah. Because I'm yeah. obviously not a beacon of physical fitness. <laughs> and I get down there, and she asks me what's going on. And I tell her, and she's like, I've been here the whole time. And now she's even worried to go to headquarters. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. And it just keeps on going there. I mean, I, I work there, like, right after this, I'm going to go to work in that mezzanine area at headquarters. And we've had some... There's always something going on in that building. I'm telling you, whether it's yeah, doors because slamming. Because it was just a department uh, store, and then it was a you know like an office building. Yeah. But when it became a police station, that does introduce a little bit of creepiness. It has to, because I'm like, who would want to haunt the old Montgomery Ward building? Right. <laughs> That'd be like, if I pass on, I'm not going to go haunt you know, Walmart. There's I mean, a disgruntled employee. Yeah, it just yeah, doesn't yeah. make sense. And so the only thing I can think of is, obviously, we have human remains from whether it's cold cases, right. homicides. I can't figure out who would want to haunt that place. I mean, yeah. it's not like it was some old church or morgue. or I think it's the stuff that we as a police department have probably brought into there. Yeah, you know yeah. that could have you know some well, spiritual like human stuff. remains and and yeah. uh, various evidence that's connected to homicides and now the all good sorts thing is stuff that it could but make the hair on your arm stand up. Correct, nothing in there I felt has been trying to harm me or like you know nefarious or anything. It's just you know like we've have doors that you'll hear open up in the detective bureau at night when there's nobody there. Yeah, I saw another spirit figure in there before. Uh, as recent as a year ago, I thought somebody walked by my office. So I came out, and they went into 
the either the captain down the hall from me or the other captain farther down the hall. I legitimately saw a man-sized figure go in one of those offices, 100%. I was like, I'm going to go say hi to him. I went to the first office, nothing. Yeah. Oh, they're in the second office. It's probably, you know, Captain Smith. Go down there, nothing. So it's like my second full-fledged spirit apparition I've seen in right. that building. So, Is anybody else having these experiences, or are you alone? Are you the only one? No. So my detectives here, they I mean, they could give you a whole 10-hour segment on... <laughs> Stuff they've heard in there. Now, one of our other captains who's actually in the bureau with me, she says in that same exact bathroom. Now, this would have been after what I've seen because I brought it up to her and she was almost didn't want to tell anybody because they'd think, you know, she's right, right. You know, crazy or something. She's like, I had the same thing happen to me in that same bathroom, except for when I went in to look, there was a woman figure with like hair and stuff and she ran out of there. Now, supposedly she's Ka- seen Katie like, ran out. Katie ran out, right, but right. she said she saw like it looked like the girl from the ring. Right. You know, long hair or whatever. So, yeah. She See, and that's me. why I asked about if you grew up on horror movies, because I kind of feel like there's some people who just, they have these images planted in their head and they don't need something real, something, you know, spiritual to be happening. They, they've already got that in their psychology and they're already thinking that. They're already, you know, it just would take a moment of their brain kind of, you know, just one little misfire of a neuron and you think you're seeing something that you actually mm-hmm. saw in a movie. Uh, but I think it's interesting that you've got a got a history of running, running well, into stuff, like, but you ha- you weren't primed for it. No, yeah, no. I I have always had maybe just from growing up as a little kid, or maybe you're born with it, like a little bit of a sense when you can walk into a room and feel feel stuff that other people don't feel, like a heaviness or something doesn't right. Yeah, I mean, we used to train as a SWAT team at the old was the old annex, and I guess in the 30s mm-hmm. was. I mean, there's as an old creepy building. Oh, yeah. We've had some experiences in that place. So, yeah. you know, maybe I'm just unlucky, and I hope that's so. I've never had nothing try to harm me. Maybe it's because every time I like I drive by the house at night, the parallel, I'm like, yeah. hey, how are you? Good to see you. Yeah. Whether you're demonic, good, bad, or how you doing? Yeah. See you later. Yeah. So yeah. I try not to, like, bring that stuff home. Well, it, it, is some, it is a topic that does occasionally come up when, when officers talk to the chaplain. They, they're like, you know what? I, I've been unsettled for years because I think I saw something. And, and I don't have answers for that. Yeah. I, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not really particularly a ghost story person myself. But, but I don't know what all's out there. And I know enough to know that I don't know everything. I don't actually have an answer. And well, so, I'm, I'm just hoping, you know, like if I'm good enough to go to the pearly gates, you know, because I, I do believe in Jesus and God. And, you know, that when we get up there and there, you say you'll know everything. And, you know, I want to know where Hoffa's buried, who's yes. on the grassy yes. knoll, <laughs> what, what was in list. headquarters. <laughs> like, I'm going to have a whole list. What They're going to probably kick me out of heaven. What was that thing yeah. I saw? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. What was that? And who's on the grassy knoll? And where's yeah. Jimmy Hoffa buried? Yeah. So if we yeah. can get that clarified, I'll be good. That's awesome. That's <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you, Sean. I appreciate you coming no in and telling me. Yeah. That's great. I do not have an explanation for why our headquarters building provokes such a response from so many people, but I am inclined to put together a compilation of spooky sightings and ghost stories about that building. Maybe it'll be therapeutic to get that off your chest. Maybe it'll just be fun. But I'm putting that in my notes right now for next year. So if you have a ghost story or a spooky sighting about our headquarters building in KCK, 
go to the show notes, find my email, and drop me a line. I'd love to talk to you. On a more serious note, there are so many law enforcement stories that are so sad and so tragic, there's nothing fun or funny about them. So, just like Gallo's humor, maybe we need a ghost story once in a while, something to help us laugh in the face of death, and then maybe set a new land speed record hightailing it out of there. It's good for us. The views expressed here are the personal views of the host and our guest and do not necessarily represent the views of any law enforcement agency or its components. On the next episode of Hey Chaplain. I hear a gunshot and I remember smelling the gunpowder, the, the gun smoke. And, and my first thought was, oh no, he's got my gun, right? And now I'm gonna be struggling for my own gun from this guy. But I, I looked down, I take a peek between me and him and I could see that he had a gun in his back pocket and he, with his right hand, had got a hold of it but didn't clear it from his back pocket. So it got hung up in his, uh, at the back of, of the corner of his pocket and blew out part of his pants and sent around somewhere. And someone was looking out for me that day because that round went somewhere between my legs and down Polk yeah. Street. This show is commercial free because listeners who feel they've received some value from Hey Chaplin Return the favor by buying me a virtual coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash heychaplin. You don't have to do that, but thank you. It really does mean the world to me. If you like this episode, please share it with a cop or someone who loves a cop. Thank you for listening to Hey Chaplin. And as always, pray for peace in our city. <laughs>